Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Welcome again to Oasis Horizon West Church. Happy Mother's Day. I thought I would uh, start my time with just some, uh, something light. Um, I found some really great mom memes that I want to share with you. Uh, these are not original. I wish I could take credit for them, but see if some of these resonate with you. My face when I've been trying to put the kids to bed for over an hour and they're still not asleep. You can just, this will be like AA. You can say my name is, and this is, yes, this is me. Uh, let's see the next one. If I had to sum up parenting in one move, I, I did this today, actually. That was just a little behind the... Now, if you've got one, they can sit here, but once you get, it's just, you know, it's all downhill from there. Uh, next, we've got this. Me in the morning, hoping to be a better parent. This is Toy Story, and one hour later, it's Jurassic Park. It's getting real here. And then this is my personal favorite. When your kid keeps telling a story and it won't end... <laughs> We live, we live in this with one of our children especially. I won't, I won't tell you who. i scarred. Hey, the truth is, man, parenting is tough stuff. The truth is mothering is hard work. It's hard. It's also hard desiring to be a mother and not having that desire yet fulfilled. It's hard having a difficult or even a bad relationship with your mom. It's tough being a mom having a a a difficult relationship with your child, it's tough losing a mom. And and we recognize all of those emotions and all of those feelings are in the room this morning. And the the reality is that scripture is filled with the stories of men and women experiencing both the hardest things that life has to offer and the, the presence, the redemptive power of God at work in the middle of their circumstances in the middle of life's challenges. And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're just gonna look together at four women whose stories show us the presence of God, the redemptive power of God in the midst of the things that they're going through. Can we do that together? I wanna start with a woman that I've never heard talked about on Mother's Day. Her name is Eve. Can we talk about Eve? (laughs) Okay, we're gonna do that. Eve is, a, is, is the first woman, right? The first woman that crosses the scenes of, of, of history. The first woman that passes onto the pages of Scripture. Also the first mother. She's created as what Scripture calls a helper suitable for Adam. Now let me make a quick side note. This in no way implies inferiority to Adam. In fact, some would argue that Adam was the one that needed the helper, right? So, but, but the reality is both the man and the woman are made equally in the image of God and fulfilling somewhat different functions together to the glory of God. But Eve is created as a helper suitable, and yet we know how the story turns out. Both Adam and Eve defy the will of God, eat from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and bring death into the human experience. Let me ask the moms in the room, if you ever felt a gap between what you needed to be in the moment and what you found yourself able to be? You ever felt like your your children and your work and your marriage and your church and maybe even God, you, you felt that there was more on you than you could live up to? 
There's something that has become very real in the 21st century. It's called mom guilt. And, and maybe that guilt comes from seeing other birthday parties on Pinterest and going, man, how in the world do the moms have time to do this? Or, or maybe it's seeing these perfect family pictures on Facebook and going, my kids would never smile and sit still for a family picture. Or maybe you see the home-cooked meals on Instagram and go, we've eaten McDonald's five times this week and we're just surviving. Mom guilt. Or maybe your mom guilt runs deeper than that. Maybe you have a young child that you are quite honestly not sure what to do with. An older child who has walked away from the Lord. Maybe there's a hidden addiction or an unconfessed past sin that you think, man, if, if people really knew this about me, or maybe you've been in a failed or in a failing marriage. Here's the first truth I want to grasp together this morning. God is present in the failing. God is present in the failing. Paul says this in Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When Paul says all things, inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit, when he says all things, you know he must be including our failing right? Otherwise, it's got to say most things. But Paul says that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him and who are called according to the purpose, just as he was in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. When rather than giving them what their sins deserved, which was death, he instead had a animal sacrifice to create covering for them. And then gave this promise to the woman, he says about her, that you shall bruise the serpent's heel. This is a foreshadowing of what Christ would fulfill at the cross when he crushed the enemy under his feet. God redeems the failing. Let's look at another story, the story of Hannah. Hannah, as we mentioned this morning, was a woman who was deeply loved by her husband, but the love of her husband couldn't compensate for the fact that she could not produce children. And Hannah was broken by that fact. In fact, she comes to the point of throwing herself down in the temple and weeping and crying out to the Lord for a son. And she's so intoxicated with her grief that the priest Eli thinks she is drunk. He thinks she is literally intoxicated with wine. Some of you might know what it's like to be consumed with unfulfilled desire. The desire for a child, the desire for a husband or a wife. Maybe it's even the desire for a spiritual breakthrough in the life of a family member or a friend. Second truth is this, God is present in the longing. We know that God would answer Hannah's prayer with a son named Samuel. Samuel would go on to be the great prophet of Israel. It was Samuel who would go to a place called Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse and say, Jesse, one of your sons is to be the king. And the eighth of those sons, a little boy named David, was keeping the sheep in the pasture. It was Samuel who would anoint David to be the future king of Israel. But I'm more interested this morning, not in the fulfillment of Hannah's desire. I'm more interested in what God was accomplishing in the longing that Hannah had before the desire was fulfilled. Have you ever thought about, have you ever wondered why it is that God seems to so often give a period of time between a promise and a fulfillment. Like he's God, right? We know he created the world pretty quickly. <laughs> Didn't need a lot of time to do it. He can do all things at all times. So, so why does God promise and then wait? Why does he wait for fulfillment? 
We have examples of this in scripture. Uh, Abraham, you know, when God shows up to Abraham, he says, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a son. And Abraham's already old. He's thinking, okay, probably need to get that started. And then 25 years pass. Abraham becomes 100. Sarah's 90 before God fulfills the promise. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for nearly 400 years, crying out to God for deliverance before God called Moses to be their deliverer. When David was anointed by Samuel, we we believe he was around 15 years of age and 15 more years passed before at the age of 30, David becomes king. And you know what's happened in the meantime? He's running for his life. Can you imagine being a teenager and a prophet shows up and says, you're to be the next king. And you're like, great. But the next thing you know, the current king is trying to kill you. You're thinking, what is going on here? Promise before fulfillment. And then most remarkably, even after God sends the Messiah, Jesus, to the earth, 30 years pass of Jesus simply being a carpenter, simply living in Galilee, simply living life before he begins his public ministry. So, so what is it about the time in between? What is, is, is it about the longing? Here's what I believe. Longing creates space in our hearts that only God can fill. See, if God promised and then fulfilled, we would just get used to the gift. You know, it's like Christmas every day. But when God promises and we have to wait, there is a space in our heart that drives us to him. It drives us to him. This is what happened for, Sam, uh, for Hannah. Look again at 1 Samuel 1.15. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. See, the beautiful thing about longing is it can bring us to a place of pouring out our soul to God. The redemptive elements of Hannah's story are not just in the fact that her prayer was answered. It's in the fact that she grew closer to the Lord along the way. The pastor that I had when I was younger in reflecting on the, the idea of blessing, he said, you know, a lot of people think of blessing as the good things in life. Like, oh man, I got a, I got a raise. I got a new job. I, I, you know, I, I got a girlfriend. I got, you know, I, it, this is blessing. This is how Pastor Randy would say it. Blessing is not when good things happen to me. Blessing is anything that drives me to Jesus. Including longing including disappointment, including failing. God redeems all of these things for his glory. Another woman, her name is Ruth. If you know the story of Ruth, you know that Ruth showed up in Bethlehem childless and widowed and seeking refugee, refuge as an immigrant. She, she was in a dire situation, but she just so happened to catch the eye of a wealthy Jewish landowner named Boaz. Ruth would go on to be the great-grandmother of David, Some of you are experiencing season of fulfillment. Your story right now isn't brokenness. You're going, man, I'm I'm actually in a season of seeing God do a lot of great things. I've told people that for my family, 2020 was one of the personal best years of our lives. And I almost hesitate to say that because I know it was hard. And, And I know people suffered. And I know even members of our own churches lost family members. But there was a sense in which my family was experiencing abundance and prosperity, and God was doing things that we considered good in our lives. And the truth is, if we only talk about God being present in the tough things, you might get the idea that he's not there when things are good. And here's the truth. God is present in the reaping. 
God is present in the reaping. Other than Ruth chapter one, which starts Ruth off in this dire circumstance, the rest of the story of Ruth is one of Ruth seeing fulfillment, seeing life, seeing blessing, seeing God do the things that she longed for him to do. So if you're in that season, don't feel guilty that you're in a season of fulfillment. Your turn with the other is coming, right? We all take our turn with it. So instead, if you're in a season of reaping, here's what you do. Rejoice, give thanks, and prepare yourself for the season to change. That might be your season, and that's okay. Just prepare yourself for that season to change. God redeems in the reaping. Final woman we're going to look at, the woman is named Mary, probably the most famous of all of the women of Scripture. We first meet her as a teenager in a place called Nazareth, and this is how her story begins, Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This Mary, as we know, was assigned to the greatest task in all of human history. Uh, we see in the pages of scripture, people doing some pretty incredible things. I mean, can you imagine going up to the Red Sea and just holding up your staff and it just parts for you, right? Could you imagine being spit onto dry land by a fish that had swallowed you and then preaching repentance to the most wicked city in the world and they all repent? I mean, throughout scripture, God calls people to do incredible things, but what could be more incredible than carrying the son of God and the savior of the world in your womb? we might be tempted to think that it's going to be all good for Mary. And yet we find even the hard things show up in her life. We, we get a foreshadowing or a glimpse of this in Luke chapter 2 when they take Jesus to the temple and, and this is what happens. They encounter a man named Simeon who prophesies this. Simeon blessed Joseph and Mary and said to them, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon is going to let Mary know, hey Mary, brace yourself. Because the call to be the mother of the Messiah, this is not going to be an easy one. Yes, you are the favored one. Yes, you are chosen for the greatest task in human history. And yet, you're going to walk through the hardest things that life has to offer. Fourth and final truth this morning is, is that God is present in the longing. Sorry, in the losing. God is present in the losing. I, I, I played with that word. You heard me misspeak it a second ago because I wasn't sure what the right word was there. But, but what I want you to hear is that even when you lose someone, God is present there. Many of you know my story. 21 years ago on this day, I celebrated uh, our first Mother's Day. And I can't really say celebrated. We acknowledged our first Mother's Day without my mom living. It's 18 years old. I remember sitting around the table with my six siblings and my dad. And how do you celebrate Mother's Day eight days after your mother has 
gone. How do you ever experience Mother's Day the same after that? The, the truth is many in our congregations last year lost people, wives, husbands, children, and we've walked through that together. We've walked through painful loss together, and God is present even in the losing. One of my favorite scenes from the movie, The Passion of the Christ, we guess many of us have seen that. It resonates with me because having lost my mom, the way that they interplay the relationship between Jesus and Mary in the movie is beautiful and it's pointed. And there's a scene that I think probably didn't actually happen, but it depicts a profound truth of what Jesus was thinking as he went to the cross. And in this scene at the end of the Passion, Mary is running down an alleyway to get to Jesus. And there is a flashback of him as a child stumbling and his mother catching him. And as it goes back to her running through the alleyway to get to Jesus, she gets to him and she falls to her knees right as he is falling with the cross on his back. And he looks up into her eyes with his face disfigured and mangled and bloodied. And Mary is weeping and Jesus simply says these words, Look, mother, I'm making all things new. The truth is God is present even in death to redeem, to make new, to restore and bring life the same way that he was present with his own son on the cross. God redeems it. There is life beyond death. There is resurrection power. And we know this in Revelation chapter 21. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is the promise that we cling to as believers. This is the promise that was foreshadowed even in the garden when God said to the woman, yes, the serpent will bruise your heel, but you're going to crush his head. Jesus wins. God is present in the highs and the lows and the difficult things of life. Moms, this week, you're going to face challenges. Some of those you know you're going to face because they're the ones you face every week, but you may also face some challenges you did not see coming. Challenges in the life of loved ones, challenges in your health, challenges in your marriage. And I want to offer you this promise. God is present in all of it. He's present in all of it. God draws near to those who are crushed in spirit and saves the brokenhearted. God is there for us as we turn to him. I want to close by simply doing this. I want to pray over you. You don't need to stand. You don't need to identify. But for those of you, whether you're a mom or not, if you are experiencing failing in this season of life, I want to pray for you to experience grace and restoration. If this for you is a season of longing, I'm going to pray for you a renewed hope and a steadfast faith. If this season for you is one of reaping, then I'm going to pray gratefulness and that a heart of worship would be cultivated within you. And if this is or has been a season of losing, that I'm simply going to pray for the healing tenderness of God to draw near to you in this moment. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Father, I want to thank you.
God, first for all the women in this room who are mothers, grandmothers, God, I pray that the season that they're in, whether it's hard, whether it's good, whether it's a mix of both, Lord, that they would experience your faithfulness, your closeness to them. And God, I do pray that whatever season that we're in, it might be one of the four or, or maybe it's another one altogether, God, that you would draw near to us, that we would experience the manifest presence of God in our lives. Lord, you gave a promise to the disciples. You said in this world, you're gonna have trouble. You're gonna have hard things but take heart because I have overcome the world. God, would that overcoming power of Christ be ours for all of our moms, all our dads, all our men, all our women, all our children. To your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.